Welcome to the Unschool Podcast. At Unschool, we deliver you stories of the people among us who built successful lives non-traditionally. Whether they skipped college, dropped out of school, or have overcome great adversity and still managed to design successful lives personally and professionally. Here, you'll learn how to skip college, start a business or career, and gain a level of understanding surrounding your purpose, unprecedented to anything you've heard before. The stories we share and the people we feature aren't the world-class entrepreneurs you hear about every day. These are the success stories that Forbes aren't featuring. The levels that our guests are at are levels that you can easily attain. If you'd like to share your story, please visit unschool.club to learn more. Today on the show, it's my great pleasure to introduce Roxy Ortiz. Roxy is the founder of a consumer-driven platform called Elevated Layers. She comes from a styling background and facilitates a gap in the market that allows users to see clothing as a tool to tag quality brands and increase paid partnerships in an era of monetizing personal content. She sees true sustainable wardrobe going beyond wear and believes in utilizing clothing as a tool to benefit visual culture in a digital age while cutting down clutter and wasteful retail costs. You can find her business on Instagram at Elevated Layers or visit elevatedlayers.com to learn more. Please help me welcome Roxy to the show. Hi, Roxy. Thank you so much for joining us at the Unschool Show today. Thank you. I'm so excited to get started with this. This is awesome. Yeah, I can't wait to help share your story. I think you have a very unique business. For everyone listening, can you just tell us why you're here today and then a little bit about yourself and the business that you're building? I mean, I'm here to obviously just share my experiences and the struggles and challenges that I've had to overcome throughout my process of building my career. And I wish when I was younger, I would have had somebody explain to me what I was getting prepared for as an entrepreneur, but uh, I'm happy to give what I can. And and hopefully people can find that helpful. My business is called Elevated Layers. And we basically rotate fashion for content creators um, as a means to utilize clothing as a tool for content and and really cut down on cost and waste for, for that type of industry. Very cool. So your customers, is it safe to say, are mostly like Instagram influencers, personal brand developers? Who else might they be? Yes, mostly influencers, social creators. We have branched out to other avenues of creativity, like photographers, stylists, and models. But, you know, I think wardrobe should be seen as a tool, like an added value to your content, especially Mm -hmm. with social so accessible and having Instagram uh, be your digital business card. So to be able to provide quality that's accessible to younger people to fit all budgets is, is really the forefront of the business. That's really cool. What would you say clothes brings to a brand? What does your style say about your brand? Well, I think I really believe that personal style is definitely how you express yourself before speaking, right? And I think with social media, I think a lot of people really want to see something unique and different. And that's often with clothing. However, I think the age we're in right now in this fast consumerism is definitely hard to be able to maintain the quality of it. Mm -hmm. I, I think when you see style, like you definitely gravitate towards 
more like high end or, or luxury. I think people are more interested in things that are desirable. It's just like a natural, a natural thing. But you can tell the difference for of an you know influencer when you a business is trying to do influencer marketing, and you can kind of see that someone's not really invested into, I guess, the tool side of it. And, and you know, I wouldn't personally want to give someone my money that wouldn't add value to my product. So I really just want to provide that side of things and, and really say, hey, like your clothing is an investment if you want to get closer to your goals. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and people just can't afford high-end things. I, I mean, I, I know a lot of girls in, in New York City who do go into debt to just to stay relevant on social media, just to tag all of these nice brands. It's such a hidden problem. And I think social media has done a really great job of hiding behind like, you know, all the struggles and problems. So it's really bring that to the surface and provide an outlet for these creators to really save and then feel confident in what they're producing is the goal that we all share. So I definitely relate to a younger creator because it is very, very hard in such a saturated space. And you want to make sure that you can stand out amongst that. Absolutely. This is a, such a unique problem that you were able to identify. How were you able to see it? I think it was more of I had this problem myself. Mm. I think when, I, when, I, when Instagram first started becoming more popular with blogging, I guess, it was, a, it was really an opportunity for people to share their personal style and, and share their creativity. And though tagging wasn't heavily popular back then... I mean, it's changed so much now and it's really just how you present your feed and your content and you want to be able to showcase things that make you feel good and and confident to be able to sell yourself in different ways. You know, I unfortunately didn't have access to this kind of stuff and I was going into debt and I came from a styling background and it was very difficult for me to promise all of these crazy expectations with clothing and wardrobe, especially on a, on a luxury level that I felt like this was a gap that just wasn't fulfilled and, and budgets with different projects are very small. And I think a lot of clients put so much effort and time and money and passion into creating something beautiful that I think if the wardrobe is not all the way there. The end result is it's kind of half-assed, mm-hmm. you know, and I think clothes are definitely such a, a visual staple that, yeah, I definitely wanted to solve this issue. And as time progressed over the last, you know, four years, I think social media has definitely become more and more evolved and we have such outlets to just at our, at our fingertips and, and with high quality and high editing. You know, I think the clothing is kind of like lacked in that, in that side. And so to bring the value up and step up the game, just by providing access again is becoming a a real problem solver or elevated layers layers is becoming a real problem solver there. So yeah, I, I really believe that it just comes down to access. So hopefully we can bring benefit to all of these social creators. Yeah, that's so cool. I love it because your clothes, when you're uh, an influencer, they don't have any shelf life, right? If you do a shoot in them, you're really done with them. 
Exactly. Yeah. I think most people have, have it in their mindset that things are just really disposable because that's how we purchase that we purchase them so quickly that like, yeah, the shelf life is very quick also. And, and I think, uh, with like, along with fast consumerism, like content is also produced really quickly and it has to be, you know, as, if this is your job and this is your passion, you have to consistently like shit out creativity and it's like you want to make your audience really happy but behind the scenes where are you finding the money to facilitate the content and most people have x amount of it so they think okay i can go to h&m or i can go somewhere where i can buy a lot of things and create a lot of content from that but it's an investment. So if you invest cheaply, your results are going to be cheap. So I really think that people uh, don't really have an alternative yet. Of course, there is rentals and, and like wardrobe rentals. And I think there's a lot of clothing swaps you can borrow from your friend's closet and this and that. But I, there's also this side where I don't think people necessarily want to admit that they've rented something or that they borrowed something, you know, you really want to put your best self out there. And again, like, it's just really about utilizing clothing as a tool and accessing resources that we have already made. And through my partnerships and the designers I work with, I'm able to have them donate clothing from and kind of like their dead stock and use older season stuff that's still pretty relevant to these creators and just share the content that comes from it. And, and everybody's happy at the end of the day. And uh, I think it also brings a side to designers and, and retailers to create an ethical identity within their brand without compromising anything. And for me, I think that's that's true sustainability and, and just really using what's already out there. Mm-hmm. The fashion industry is super competitive. Would you agree? Oh, 100%. <laughs> I mean, it's probably the most competitive, I think, nowadays. Absolutely. What's been your biggest hurdles breaking into this industry? Oh, wow. <laughs> there's a lot of those. I mean, I think there's a lot of hurdles. And um, I think for me, I, I've always seen like the traditional side of fashion and that's, you know, coming to New York and getting an internship and working for, you know, your favorite designer or an editorial or kind of like the devil wears Prada. Like we've all seen this story, mm-hmm. right? I think it's just the fashion industry. I think the truth is that they're behind. I mean, I think it's the number one industry that is behind with uh, technology and like the, the forefront of content and like the social aspect, like it's definitely super behind. So I think the traditional break into the fashion industry is dead like it really is and i think with all the access that we have and all the personality that's out there like it's really difficult to stand out and go after what you love however i've been able to identify certain problems with along with my expertise i think that's really important to and taking and finding out what you are an expert at first Mm. and then just getting really, really good at that and hammering out all of the issues and and really adding value to other people that will then tell their friends and be, you know, and I think that's where you can say, hey, wow, like I've identified a problem. I'm really, really good at this. And I can take this to the next level by 
turning it into a brand because at the end of the day, like all a business is is an extension of your personality. So I, I think understanding that and really taking the baby steps and understanding what you're really, really good at and being really good at that one thing. I am like, and I say keyword one thing because we're all interested in so many different, like different avenues. And um, I think creativity is like (laughs) the worst part to be in because you're like, oh my God, I want to do this and I want to do that. But just really pinpointing one thing is is going to bring a lot of value. I agree. Keep it simple. If you chase too many rabbits, you catch none. I see that every day. Okay. So that's great advice. Did you have funding to start this business? Absolutely not. Like I feel like the funny thing about funding, and I will share this as a female entrepreneur and a female founder, I did an entrepreneur program in, in 2016 in Silicon Valley. And I I was operating under a different brand, but I definitely was doing the same thing. And I think at the end of that program, we had to pitch our idea to about 30 to 40 VCs, which is pretty intimidating, Mm. but eight week program when we had to, yeah, like get your deck together, get the pitch, get the growth, like all of the, these sides that I was like, I don't know what the hell that means, but okay, I'll try. And I think my presentation was definitely an eye opener because the majority of those VCs were men, like, you know, white men that had a lot of money and for a female building a fa- like a fashion tech company that not only are we fashion, but we also, you know, are we accumulate data and we are doing this for, you know, on the tech side of things and, and, and having sustainability be a big part of it. I, I feel like it just wasn't, they just didn't get it, you know? And, and I was like, how do you not understand the feedback that I got was really obnoxious. Like they were like, the outfit's too distracting oh, how does this compare to Rent the Runway? Well, I'm like, I mentioned everything that was different about, you know, me. And then, you know, how is this going to sustain beyond 10 to 15 years, whatever, like 10x, 100x? Like, I I think it was questions that was just so just out of reality. And I think that was a huge turnoff for me because it's like, A, like my outfit is distracting because I'm, I have a fashion company and I want to look presentable and I like I know what the hell I'm talking about. (laughs) Be like, how can you not understand these valid problems amongst young creators who are women who do, you know, struggle in areas of fashion and, you know, don't have access. Like it's like, you know, I just felt it was it was definitely something that I was like, well, I don't even I don't need funding. Like I don't need this. Like I, I I feel like they're is a very valid problem. And as long as I'm solving that, like one by one, I'm doing Mm. something. And so two years later, I decided to move to New York. And I think just being here and being surrounded by other people who are definitely super supportive and just kind of um, having, finding your own little I guess crowds of people that relate to that you can share and like having the community of you know, people who do understand what you're gunning for. I think that's super important. And if you need money to start a business, I would think twice about that because that it's like, well, what do you actually need the money for? Because we all have the same resources. We have communication, we have passion and creativity. And so long as you plug those in the right places, you can build anything. And 
I won't say that it was easy, you know, because you really have to do a lot of research. You you have to talk to a lot of people. You just have to get over your fears of being an introvert or being nervous or scared and having all of these self-doubts because, like, I think once you get over that hump, it's just smooth sailing from there. Like, I like to talk to everybody as my friend and just really start from there and talk about just shared interests I and you know don't worry about them anymore. right just like let it go and I love it so when you went to kind of pitch your idea to those investors correct they yeah that yeah. sounds really scary they pretty much rejected your pitch how did you handle re- that rejection and then what did you learn from it because a lot of people I think when we're rejected we retract and that creates a lot of self-doubt. So how are you able to overcome that? Yeah. I mean, it was definitely discouraging. I mean, when you, yeah, when you feel rejected, I mean, it's just like dating. Like <laughs> I think I think venture capital is like the ultimate like dating like level. I mean, it, it sucks. It hurts just the same. And yeah, you start to reevaluate yourself and you're just like, okay, like, well, like what the hell was wrong with me? Like, how come they didn't like me? I thought I did everything right, like this and that. But it also made me realize, okay, I'm obviously like too much like for them. I, I you know, they're, they're just not mm. for me. I mean, you guys got it from that sense. It's just like one small percentage of the world and or the country and like people out there who just like, unfortunately are on the same level as you are. And it took a while for me to understand because I was operating under a different brand back then. But I think with that rejection came also a lesson from it. And, and the lesson was like self growth. It's like, how can I turn this like negative situation into something that is going to help me and benefit me in the future so that when I come across this again, like I'm not blindsided and I'm prepared to handle every every situation and know what my value and what my worth is. Because I certainly think that it pointed out areas of weakness. And that was also another thing, I, another hard pill I had to swallow because, and I don't want to contradict what I said earlier about like being really good at one thing, like be an expert all the way at one thing. But also you want to identify in building a business what you're not good at. Say, you know, you're not a developer. Okay, like you want to write that down. You're not good at social marketing. Like you want to try and find somebody who can add value in in that side. So I think that really helped me, yeah, just understand what I wasn't good at and step back and say, hey, okay, well, I need to find people who believe in my vision and can vouch for me. And so when I pitch again, or when I'm talking to somebody again, like I don't have that fear of being rejected because I know that I'm going to be rejected. So I really think that there's always a lesson in something negative and you definitely don't ever want to blame anybody, but you just really want to understand what's being brought to the surface because it's just a sign of weakness in yourself that maybe you just neglected. So you just want to be able to accept it. That's great advice. Especially because rejection does feel really sucky sometimes. So, oh yeah. <laughs> okay. So what's your biggest why? Ooh, okay. That's a, that's a good one. And then like, why yeah. Why do you do day? what you do? Why do you show up? Why do you have a great Instagram account? Why did you 
I mean, I, you kind of said why you started your business, but what's really your biggest why? What drives you? I think I may have two whys. I think the first why is for myself because I think it took me a really long time to understand what my purpose was because I feel like in the beginning I was I was totally all over the place. I still am. I'm so all over the place. I, I, I'm not, I, you know, I'm not 100% successful or feel like successful yet. It's a lot of hard work, but the why is really, I want to see how far I can push myself and how far I can actually grow and what limits I, you know, I, I can go beyond because I, if you would have told me I would have been sitting here with you doing a podcast, I would be like, no, I hate, like, I hate talking to people. Like I was definitely a person who did not sharing and talking and being open and vulnerable. Like those are all things I absolutely hated. And you tend to avoid that. And that really puts you in a box. And once you're in a box, you have limits and now you have, you have walls that you can't really go through. Um, I was starting to suffer from that and I was in my own goddamn way. Like I, I was like, what, you know, what is going on? Like what, why this, what, you know, what, what's happening to me? And it was because I was yeah, limiting myself. And so I think I wanted to be like, okay, well, those things that I'm afraid of, I just need to, you know, face it head on and just, like, cause I mean, it's all internal, like it's all like w- within us and we're just battling our own selves at the end of the day. Like, you know, you just really need to take the time to have blinders on and like and even blinders for yourself and just like go for the end result. Cause you know, it's going to be worth it. The second why is like, I really have realized that I just want to make people happy and I just want to help them reach their goals at any, at any length that I possibly can, whether it's, you know, an introduction to some, whether it's like, you know, referencing like an app that I've used for and editing and Instagram, because I certainly wasn't an expert at that either. You know, clothing is definitely something that I'm really good at. And, you know, God's gift to me is finding like really great deals and finding really cool pieces. And to be able to share that is real big why I get up in the morning because I've never, growing up, I've never really been a sharer. I was an only child and like, you know, spoiled brat, if you will. Um, but uh, but now, you know, now I see the benefit of really giving back because you, you get back what you give out, right? And I just think we really just need to understand. It is very, very simple. And we just need, we'll start to feel That's it. That's really great. You know? A lot, almost everyone that I've interviewed has that mindset where you give back you get, you receive, you know, the more you give, the more you receive. And they're honestly the, some of the happiest people I've, and most fulfilled people I've ever met. And, and then of course there's more than just that mentality that you all share, but I've noticed that's a big commonality between everyone we've had on the show. Oh yeah. It definitely is something that I've just recently I get believed because I never used to believe in that like weird, like, you know, like spiritual stuff or whatever law of attraction and all these things. But, you know, like I, I started to recently just read, you know, and I'd take up reading. I never used to read. Like I was like, seriously, the complete opposite, like a person I am now. Um, but like, I'm sure that you've heard the 
if you change your network, you change your net worth. I, I think that is so true. Like, I think I was a victim of my own circle of people that I hung out with, my friends, and I'm capable of, of more. And I'm capable of adding value to other people's lives and having them do the same. So it started with just, it just started with relationships. Like it wasn't even like me about like business and like me giving them whatever and in return. And I think just letting go of this sort of template and agenda you might have for yourself is, is a very like small baby step. And it's just like meeting somebody that in like a different industry that you would never talk to and, or just connecting with somebody online and like following them and being like, Hey, like I really like your stuff and just becoming, yeah. And just starting a friendship with somebody, you know, you start to learn so much more and like Mm -hmm. just opens different doors. And now I fully believe in, I do, I really do believe in the law of attraction. I really do believe you get back like, what you give out. And so if you're and and that's for all sides, if you're giving out like negativity and self doubt and complaints, like you're going to get that back. Like that's 100% going to come back. So if you have a bad day, like everyone has bad days, but you just definitely want to look at it and say, okay, like what is the lesson in here? Like, why is this in my life or my movie as Kabbalah people would say, like, why is this in my movie? But like, you know, we thank Madonna for, for making, you know, meditation and Kabbalah like a, a thing. But, uh, you know, I, I, yeah, I definitely really feel like just taking small risks in different areas. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I agree. How hard was it changing your friend circle? Was that painful? Oh, yeah. That's probably one of the, that's probably... I mean, along with the struggles I've had with business, I think friendships and just like memories I've shared with really close people was, I mean, that was more painful than anything. I've certainly, uh, I've certainly hurt a lot of people and, and vice versa. They've hurt me and I, but sometimes you just have to be selfish with yourself. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing you can really say about that. They either accept it or they don't. And that's how you know you weren't really friends in the first place. It sucks when you have like the only reason why you're friends is because like it's the length of time. Because like as we evolve and as we grow older, like we definitely change and we start to have like different experiences that pull us different places. So like I know some of the younger people in your audience are going to listen to this. Like I know right now you may have like the best friends in the world and you're doing, you know, you're planning all these things, but the reality is, is you, you know, it, it will change. And the sooner that you can discuss and, and share the possibility of, Oh, I maybe want to do this or I want to plan this. And the sooner you can see how supportive they are, like the better that is the better that will be for your relationship in the future. Because I think that was one thing missing is like, I didn't see support from a lot of the friends that I had when I was figuring this whole thing out. Like they just thought I was like stupid or thought that things that I was doing and you know, it felt really degrading. And I, you'd never want to be degraded by your friends. Like you definitely do. So uh, that's something to really take into consideration. Yeah. And really, I think if you're seeing that lack of support 
in your relationships, it's probably not you, it's them that have their own insecurities or their own self-doubts or, you know, they might be dogging on their own self-worth because they're not out there grinding it out like you did when you started your business. But it it is hard. I've experienced it a little bit too. But I would say to anyone listening, don't let it beat you up or discourage you from keep from going, from continuing. Oh yeah. Facts. Like serious facts. Like you, uh, yeah. I mean, it's definitely very different. I think entrepreneurship, and this is something I, I never knew. Entrepreneurship is a very, very lonely road. Like you, I mean, when you're building and creating, you, you often don't have anybody to talk to about it. You don't have anybody to relate to or bounce off ideas, especially when you're in those beginning stages. Um, so you really have, have yourself and it's most of it is a learning curve like it is very true that you wear many different hats like you you know every day it's totally different for me like one day I am like you know like I'm, I'm a programmer the next day I'm a social like creator like the next day I'm my own PR person I'm my own accountant like there are so many aspects of building a business that you just have to learn and no one can teach you that like Google is literally your best friend and like so it is very it's very very lonely so like be prepared for that but also be excited I think like you don't want to find learning to be difficult or like, how do you say, I guess like a turnoff. Uh, like you don't really want to embrace it and be like, wow, this is like something that is going to last with me. It's kind of like learning a new language, you know, like it's going to last with you forever. And and then ultimately you can share with other people in the future. And I think that's probably like the most fulfilling part is when you've learned something yourself and you get to pass it on to others. I think that's like, when you are like, okay, like that was worth it. Wow. I love that. That's great. Entrepreneurship is a lonely road, but stick it out and you'll, you'll find out amazing things about yourself and learn great things. I love that. Everything you said. You used a box analogy earlier. You said you can put yourself in a box if you're too scared to chase your dreams or, you know, because you were introverted or didn't want to be on a podcast or talk to people. It sounded like maybe you've overcame a lot of self-limiting beliefs. Have you ever experienced imposter syndrome? So imposter syndrome is where you don't feel like you have earned what you've put in the work for. So actually, let's I love looking up the actual definitions of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Let's just look it up while bonus. we're on. This is fun. This is a bonus. <laughs> Okay, so the definition of an imposter syndrome is the persistent inability to believe that one's success is deserved or has been legitimately achieved as a result of one's own effort or skills. Or like Adele has imposter syndrome. So even though she's one of the most amazing singers on the planet, she still doesn't feel like she's good enough to be on stage in front of huge crowds. Yeah. No, I mean, that's a that's a really great one. Uh, yeah, I, I think... I definitely feel like that every day. Like, I mean, it's it's just like, I don't know. It's just human nature, I think. You know, we're always going to have that little voice in the back of our heads that's going to be like, yeah, you suck. Like, you know, you're like, you'll never be good enough. I don't know. I think it's just like our own internal, like just intuition that is just getting us ready for and preparing us for the worst you know it's kind of like like just an inclination of like 
if shit goes down and if it explodes, like at least you know you were ready for it. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah, but like I said, it is. It's not a good idea to think that way. And you know, you just gotta like as much as you can try to like bury that. Whether it's listening to motivational like speeches on YouTube or like I, I personally have taken up listening to affirmations like every day like literally like every morning I wake up and listen to this 30 minute affirmations things and it's like it's really changed a lot but I will like make coffee and make my breakfast and like yell out like I am confident I am great like I, I swear like your subconscious is a real thing like it's listening to you it's recording like I mean your conscious wait I mean not to get like so deep I've been I've been really interested in kind of how our subconscious works you know because they never sleep so if you you kind of have to like train your subconscious and that's why I've, I've read I've read so many things about how like you shouldn't sleep with the tv on you you shouldn't be listening to like stuff like music music or whatever like when you sleep you should be having something like soothing whether it's like yeah meditation or some guidance thing or something that your subconscious will absorb and kind of like quiet those voices and so I find that to have really helped me get over that specific challenge but um yeah I mean self-doubt is is so so difficult to to overcome but as long as you keep trying new things and and shifting like routine and just trying to defeat your own self really it's like you gotta look at it that like you're the only one in your way like nobody else like is is out there telling you no you know and even if even if they are telling you like you suck and all this stuff, it's like easy to say bye-bye. Like, (laughs) you know, so, so yeah, I I would definitely just try as much as you can to have positive like filters coming through. Even if you don't even believe it at first, like even if it sounds like stupid, like yelling at yourself in the mirror or like reading books that like don't even make sense, like, or, you know, like watching these videos that you're just, I think the most recent one I watched was with, um, and it was just Tony Robbins and he was explaining like the story of Rocky and how, if you change your approach, what do you do for play? That's like um, an interesting one because I feel like I don't really have time to play per se. I think I, I honestly like I love being at home. I love self-care. I love like just being able to like sleep and hang out with my dogs. If I do go out, if I do do something like the benefit of being in New York City is that there's like so many events and like so many things to do that if there's food like free food or like free drink like I'm there and like a lot of times like I'll I'll even like a friend will invite me somewhere and it'll be like some some cool event where I'll like I've I've gone to like a to me event where I've gotten like a free backpack or like I went to like I think it was like a pop beauty event and like they were giving away like full-size makeup so there's always like fun things that I'll attend but only if it's like beneficial to like me being out but for the most part like I really do like being at home I think there's just something like really like soothing to just be at home and totally agree and just like disconnecting Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, like that's fun for me. <laughs> I used to love going out and like dart league, sand volleyball league, bocce ball. Like I just loved being out. And as I get older, I re- it's just so hard on me. Like I love the self care thing too. I'm totally right there with you. When I was younger, I, yeah, I was always out, and I I feel like I could you know drink and like. Mm. I wouldn't be hungover the next day and like all this stuff. But yeah, um, now like a lot older, I'm, I just turned 30 and I feel like that is like the point where I'm like, dang, I can't even like handle two drinks or I can't even be in a loud like club or place or anything without feeling deaf. Like um, it's true. Like you do hit like a grandma stage at some point so I mean I to everybody that is like in their 20s early 20s this is the time to make mistakes to go out to do whatever because like your 20s is seriously like the era of error I should say like you'll make so many mistakes but you will also like the earlier you learn from them, the better. So, um, yeah, like that's great. Love it. Great advice. Perfect, so. <laughs> yeah. So, Elevated Layers has a quite impressive Instagram account. What have you found has been the best strategy in growing your brand's presence on Instagram and and online? First of all, thank you. Uh, um, it, yeah, like it, I mean, it wasn't easy. I'm not a photographer or like a social media expert or anything so you should really read as much as you can about it really educate yourself on how it works because instagram is consistently changing like everyone is complaining about like the algorithms and like the attention you're getting and like the likes and like your your engagement all this stuff but i mean i think all that stuff soon might be irrelevant. I mean, I look at Instagram as your digital business card. I mean, like it it really is like how you want to present your brand. And I think for me, the best way to do that and what, and what I've learned is to have it be consistent. You need to have original content. I mean, like, I think that is like really key because you can see the personality in a brand or in some, in a a feed because you know, someone's taken a lot of effort and and time into creating something and and you can see that they care with photo editing like I am obsessed with iPhone photography I I think there are so many editing apps out there like my favorite one is Visco cam like I think Visco is great because it is free but there's so many filters I would avoid using the Instagram filters at all costs because they just look you know, but you want to be able to use two or three of the same filters when you're editing. You don't want to use a different filter each time because your feed will look crazy. And mm. um, you don't want that. It'll actually visually turn people off and they won't follow you. I think most people when I mean, just think about when you're, when you're scrolling on Instagram, like you're, you know, you want to see, you come across an account and you're like, oh, cool. You'll click on, you know, their, their account and you'll scroll, like flip through it. If it looks the same and it looks cohesive, you'll follow them, right? But if it looks like random and all over the place, there's like, doesn't match, like this, like, doesn't make sense. Like, chances are you won't follow that account. So you really want to build your account as if, like, do, would you want to follow yourself? 
you mm, know? Right. Um, so yeah, I definitely think mm, being cohesive and making sure ever like, you know, you've got your colors, um, your brand colors and, you know, you know, if you've got a logo and you have a brand that like, you want to keep within the same like hues and family of, of that. Love it. That is really, really good advice. A great branding advice too, because I do think we can get a little distracted and everywhere with our own style and our own brand. And it's really important to remember that this is our personality. And like you said, online business cards. So that's great advice. Okay. So we're coming up on our hour. Is there any last piece of advice that you can give aspiring entrepreneur, somebody that wants to start a business, maybe someone that's young and is thinking about college or the fashion industry. Is there a little nugget you can leave our listeners with? Yeah. Um, I mean, hopefully I've left a lot of nuggets, but you did. Um, absolutely. You know, but I, I think the one big one is I personally, I did go to school. Um, I went to, when I went to fashion school, it was a technical school, but, um, yeah, it definitely didn't do much for me. And I'm in a lot of debt because of it, which sucks. But like, you know, if you aren't ready to pursue, you know, entrepreneur, your your passion or building a business, definitely don't do it. It's a very, very huge risk. And in business, you want to minimize your risk. So like, you know, I, I would not listen to people that are like, yeah, just quit your job and quit school. And like, yeah, follow your dream. But if you really don't know what that is, or you haven't identified a problem, identified a problem, like, don't do it. <laughs> you know? However, if you have stumbled upon something and people are approaching you because of it, or you're actually generating income from it, whether it's like you know, a t-shirt company or you're doing graphics or whatever, an editing kind of thing, photography. If you see that people are responding in a way where you're like, oh, there's potentially something like I would focus on that a little more. Like there's I feel like life in general just gives you signs you know, life leaves you little nuggets on where to go and you should pursue. So I definitely think that's worth exploring. And if you don't know where to start when you're building a company, just starting is, is really like the biggest advice I wish someone would have told me. Like you just got to start like, and there's so many sides, but as long as you keep like chipping away at it and doing like two or three important things every day. Like it's don't overload yourself, but if you just go at it, like, you know, have a little bit of a schedule, a little bit of routine, you'll get better and better. Oh, I love it. Roxy, you have left us with tons of great and practical advice. I really, really appreciate you being here. Anybody listening, you can go to elevatedlayers.com to learn more about Roxy's business and everything she's doing to combat textile waste. So thank you so much, Roxy. Thank you. Once again, to learn more about Roxy's consumer-driven platform, please visit elevatedlayers.com. That does it for this week's episode of Unschool. There's thousands of podcasts available and you chose to spend your time with us. And for that, we're eternally grateful. Don't forget to subscribe, review, comment, and share this podcast with others who might enjoy it. Stay curious and we'll see you next time.